Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. We're in the Gospel of Matthew in our, in our series. We've been there for a year, but uh, the past few weeks we've been uh, taking a look at God's shepherding heart for his people. He's a, he's a father looking for a family. He, he's like a shepherd that, that has a flock of sheep. And when one of these sheep kind of go their own way, he, he cares. He cares a lot. In fact, he says that he has this heart that he'll, he'll leave the 99 to go for the one. And he wants us to have that heart. And he wants us to be a part of bringing people back into the fold, which means that we have to restore them. Because um, when we meet Jesus, we don't automatically stop sinning. We, we, the power of sin over our life can be broken, but we still sin. And, and there's still a need to go and restore our brothers and sisters, which is going to require a lot of forgiveness. That's why Peter stood up and was like, hey, how many times do we have to do this? Like, you know, seven times a day? And Jesus is like, no, I say 77 times. And even at that, it's not like, hey, you know, you, you, if you forgive someone 77 times for the same offense in one day, then you can stop forgiving. He's making a point. And the point is that because of my forgiveness of you is unlimited, there is no limit that you put on the forgiveness of others. So we took a look at that story and and there was a challenge not just to learn about forgiveness, but to do forgiveness. And so in your seat, there was a card. And on that card, you, you wrote down the person and you wrote down the pain. There's a person that you needed to forgive. And you wrote down the pain, the event, the action, the injury. That when someone injures you, they create a debt that has to be paid. And forgiveness isn't that nobody pays. Uh, that's not the gospel. The gospel isn't that nobody pays. The gospel is that Jesus pays. He paid our debt, and because he paid our debt, that when people injure us, we release them from the obligation that occurred when they hurt us, when they talked about us, when they took something, they took our money, they took our possessions, they took our pride, they took our time, they took our dignity. We release them from the obligation. That's what forgiveness is. And uh, so we talked about that, and we, and we dropped those cards in that basket that you saw buried in all of our locations last week, in all of our services, people dropped those cards um, in that box. And that box was buried as a ceremony of saying that we want to make this final. This is not, it's a decision that we make and we may not have felt it. It may have been the hardest thing we've ever had to do to forgive that person, to forgive that person of that pain. But just because we dropped a card in the box doesn't mean that that's the end of it. The decision to forgive is the beginning. There's a process. The process is, is I'm not going to bring it up to them anymore. I'm not going to bring it up to other people anymore. And here's a hard one. I'm not going to bring it up to myself anymore. Unforgiveness is the decision to regularly review that offense. And as a bit of a side note, I wanted to make clear that to remind us that, that forgiveness isn't enabling and it's not rescuing. So just because you forgive that person doesn't mean you enable that person. I, I think at times the Christian community has failed victims of crimes because 
they have taught a type of forgiveness that is enabling. He seems sorry. You should go back to him. Forgiveness is not enabling the sin to continue. Forgiveness is not rescuing. He seems sorry. You shouldn't, you know, he feels really bad. You don't need to call the police. No, forgiveness isn't rescuing. Forgiveness is you release them from the debt they owe you. But calling the police, or excuse me, not calling the police is enabling him to do that to others, what he has done to you, and rescuing him from a valuable consequence that may just get his life back on track. Forgiveness is not ignoring justice. On the contrary, it's empowering you to do biblical justice. You cannot do biblical justice until you have forgiven the person. When you pursue justice before forgiving, it's called vengeance, not justice. And there's a difference. It's filled with unrighteous anger that is personal, which the Bible uh, forbids. In other words, we want to be those that are a part of restoring our brother and sister, but we can't be a part of restoring our brother or sister until we have forgiven them. How often do we do that? A lot. And we can't be a part of making a better world, a better society. We can't be a part of biblical justice until we have forgiven. So it's not the opposite of, it's not the dismissal of, it's the fact it's the prerequisite of. And so how do you know? How do you know if the, it worked? How do you know if dropping that card in, in, the, in, the, in the box last week worked? Well, to forgive someone is a decision. But the mindsets and the patterns and the attitudes that you have formed toward another person, toward how people, how you respond to someone when they hurt you, uh, those take a little bit of time. So my hope is that you'll look back at the fall of 2023 and I made the decision to forgive that person of what they had did. And I engaged in a process to uh, get rid of damaging emotion. And I engaged godly emotion and I elevated Christ's example in my life. And that's where we're going. And I want you to, uh, if you have a Bible, you could turn with me to Ephesians 4. It's on the screen if you don't have one. Kezia, you did an amazing job reading that scripture. And I particularly appreciated the presence of mind uh, to keep going, even though your dad so rudely <laughs> texted you. We're friends. Not anymore. Hey, well... This one's for you, buddy. Um, <laughs> Ephesians 4, 26. Be angry and do not sin. I don't know about you, but I, I don't, does that confuse anyone else? Be angry, do not sin. Be angry, do not sin. There is a righteous anger that hates evil, but it's never personal. You know, the Bible says things like this. You know, 
we don't battle against flesh and blood. We don't hate people. We love people. We don't hate people. We forgive people. How do you be angry and do not sin? Well, you do this. You do not let the sun go down in your anger. And because of daylight savings, you have one less hour to do it. <laughs> so I don't know what you got planned today, but you have to tell your, the AI in the sky to rearrange your schedule. We don't hate people. We love them before the, which means we just, you know, you do it in a timely manner. This is something you do. If you don't, you need to do this. What if I don't do it? What if I just feel like sitting on it? Well, you'll give an opportunity for the devil. Uh, it's, it's a military word. It's a Greek word. Some translations say foothold. It's like a base of operations. That when a refusal, a refusal to forgive someone is an invitation to demonic activity in your life. No to forgiveness, yes to demonic activity. Well, that sounds bad. Yeah, it is bad. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. You might remember this 10 weeks ago, roughly. Uh, Jesus said that, uh, and this is a famous phrase of his, it's not what goes in a person that defiles them, it's what comes out of the person that defiles them. What's coming out of you? Let no corrupting, corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed on the day of redemption. How many here know that when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit instantaneously lives inside of you? You know that? That's great news. You should be happier about that. Here's some more good news. Jesus promised us that through the ministering presence of that Holy Spirit, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's really good news for you. But that means that the Holy Spirit can never, ever, ever leave you, which means he hears everything you say. And he watches everything that you do. How does he feel? It says that he's grieved by this. The Greek word is lupeo, which means to wound or injure. That we wound the Holy Spirit of God. See, the, the Spirit of God is wanting to bring you together. It's wanting to, it's wanting, you know, the, the sin in our life causes a separation. The gospel, the Spirit's wanting to bring us together and form us into a united body. That's the work of, of Christ in your life. That's what Christ is trying to do in your life. It's not what goes in, but it what comes out that defiles a person. What's coming out of you? Well, if it's one of these things, then we need to go back to the decision to forgive the person that injured us. We need to release them of that debt. Here's, here's the fruit of un, unforgiveness, you might say. What is the fruit of unforgiveness? Verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you along with malice. Six things, those are those are the outline. We're gonna talk about those six things. We're gonna get rid of those things. When those come up, that's a signal to us. It's the warning light to us that we need to forgive. None of those things come from God. 
None of those things are inspired by the spirit of God. Okay. Verse 32 are the ones that we want. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. So let's get rid of the bad ones. What are the bad ones? Well, the first one is our favorite. Bitterness. Bitterness. If you are bitter, you observe life and say, well, that's stupid. Why are they like that? Why is she like that? Why are they always that way? Why do they do it that way? He's not who he's supposed to be. You have a constant negative tract as running through your mind as you do everything. You are bitter. Bitter, bitter, bitter. Yes, you are. Why are you like that? Unforgiveness. 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 Why are we inclined to bitterness? Why are we inclined to a harsh opinion of others? We've been hurt. And part of the protective mechanism, defense mechanism, is to see the hurt before it comes and lash out at other people before they hurt us. Well, today's the day that you're gonna break free from all that. Sour demeanor, scowl in the face, venom in the words, resentful spirit that refuses reconciliation. A bitter person has a has a strike count and one more and you're out. What lemon is to the mouth, you got that in your mind? Bitterness is to the heart. Bitterness, we said this last week, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's a bad plan. You're drinking the poison and somehow in your mind, this is paying them back. Why am I like that? Unforgiveness. Second emotion, wrath. Wrath is deep settled indignation. Uh, I like to camp and I like to sit on my back porch. And the reason why I like to do those things is because I like to be by a fire. Uh, more than being, I mean, being by a fire is okay. Playing with a fire, that's, that's, that's even better. How many here like to play with a fire? Rachel's always like, you're going to catch something on fire. I know, isn't it going to be awesome? <laughs> Just kind of moving the logs around, moving the sticks around, keeping it hot, keeping it going. That is wrath in your heart. Stoking the fire. Never letting it die down, letting it blaze. You're going to hurt someone. I know. It's going to be awesome. Why are you like that? Unforgiveness. Anger. There's a third one. Anger. Anger is a temporary excitement of rage. It's the outburst. It's the door slammed. It's the glass thrown. It's the voice raised. It's the phone click in your ear. Why is it when we hurt the most, we hurt the most, the ones we love the most? Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Clamor. I had to look this one up. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Clamor is the noise of relational strife. Clamor is 
hold still while I tell you what, how I really feel. And I don't care if you want to hear it. I'm going to tell you anyway. I'm going to say it. Why do you have to say it? You have unforgiveness, slander, using words that are intended to injure another person's reputation. So maybe you've been hurt by someone or maybe you just don't like what they stand for. So you slander them, you pick them apart. Finally, malice. This is the bottom of the barrel. This is bad-heartedness. This is a capacity to locate wrongdoing and do it. Malice says, I have every right to feel this way. Let's go to court right now and I will tell them what you did to me. Here's the irony. You could be so right. You could be so right, yet be so wrong. Do not confuse, because it is understandable why you feel that way. Let me just say that. It is understandable why you feel that way. Please, 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 please do not hear from last week or this week that it is not understandable why you would hold on to unforgiveness. Please do not hear that. That is not uh, what's being presented to us in the scriptures. But don't confuse understandable Christian with excusable. And do not confuse understandable with inevitable. It's not inevitable. Well, what do I do? Well, you forgive that person. You release them from the obligation of the debt that they owe you because of the injury that they cause. If you don't put away all bitterness, wrath, anger, slander, and malice through forgiveness, it will slowly but surely turn you into a restless, haunted spirit who is controlled by the past. If you're a Christian, that's not God's plan for you. God has a plan for your future. Hope, good things. But if you're held back by your past, you won't be able to step into them. So, what, so once we eliminate, okay, I, I, I'm going to get rid of, let go of that negative emotion, damaging emotion, then what? Paul says, be kind. What? You got to be kidding me. Be kind to who? To the person who injured you. Be kind to the person you feel bitter toward. Be kind to the person you're anger, angry with. Find a way to be kind to the person that you are struggling to forgive. Write them a note. Send her some flowers. When your actions change, your feelings will change. Yes, they will. They really, really will. But if I do that, won't I be littling what they've done to me? No, you will not be littling it. You will be forgiving it. How can I do that? Because Jesus has forgiven you. That's the key. We're not minimizing what they did to you. That's last week. Not minimizing the debt that they owe. Not dismissing their sin, but you are forgiving it the way God has forgiven you which means you're going to have to tap into supernatural resources. 
No way can you do this. I'll use the, some Bible words here in the flesh. No way. That's why we don't do it. It's like, well, I tried that and it didn't work. Well, of course it didn't work because you tried to do it. You see, one of the things, so you've probably heard this term, even if you're not a church person, something like the fruit of the spirit. What does that mean? The fruit of the spirit. It's something that comes from its, its fruit of spirit activity in your life. It's, I just want to remind everyone, it's the fruit of the spirit, which means it's not the fruit of you. It's the work of God in your life. What we're talking about here is doing something supernatural. Maybe you could show up here in your, in your flesh. Maybe you can go help the poor in your flesh. Maybe you could say your prayers in the flesh. Maybe you can even give money in your flesh. But this is the one that you realize, maybe for the first time in your life, that I need a power that's outside of me. So we be kind... And then the next one is we'd be tenderhearted. Being kind was hard enough. I mean, that's, that's a tough, but being tenderhearted is even harder. Tenderhearted means readiness to feel the pain of another person. I do what? The person that hurt you, that injured you. Where we're going with this is that we're not just going to put away the bitterness and the anger and the malice and the slander. We're going to be kind. And then we're going to have an open spirit, not a closed one. One of the ways we self-protect when people have injured is we close our heart to people. You're dead to me. Nothing you say touches me. Nothing you do matters to me. We close our heart to that person. Tenderhearted is we open our heart to that person. Not necessarily open our lives. Let me just kind of just keep repeating. This doesn't mean enabling and doesn't mean that again. doesn't mean rescuing. It means our heart position. What does that look like practically? Well, it means that we, 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 we well, I'll go back to last week. Matthew 18, verse 27. Uh, it, was a, it was a story Jesus told. Well, I guess we heard it earlier, didn't we? Um where the, the king forgives an unpayable debt. Who's the king analogous to? Jesus, Jesus yeah, that's right. <laughs> You've heard this before, but when you're in church and you don't know the answer, just say Jesus and you're probably right. <laughs> but he's talking so loud, I was afraid that if I said it wrong, he... Verse 27, out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him of the debt. That word pity means compassion, can be translated compassion, excuse me, which means that you sympathize and even empathize, that you're identifying yourself with them. Because um, that's what Jesus does for us. It's with great enthusiasm and joy that the writer of Hebrews says that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us. And because we have this high priest uh, who is not unable to sympathize with us, we don't run from him, we run to him. Because, because if, if, he, if he didn't sympathize with us, we might go to him and we may get anger and malice and indignation, but we know that we're gonna get kindness and tenderheartedness. So we don't run from that, we run to it. I, 
I don't know specifically who this is, but I know the people that you go to the most are the ones that are the kindest and who have their heart open to you. That's who you go to the most. And so because Jesus, this is, this is where this is all, the reason why we are the way we are, the reason why we uh, 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 move in a direction is because we see Jesus moving in that direction and we see him going in that direction and we know that he's gonna give us the power to do it. So because he sympathizes with us, that means you and I, we seek to sympathize with other people. We are deliberate in pointing out how that person is the same as me because our hearts would rather point to the differences. When you refuse to sympathize and forgive, your heart grows bitter and you begin to caricature them, which means that you reduce the person down to a single feature. So when you fail to forgive someone, you reduce them down to their offense. So maybe someone lied to you. And if you won't forgive them, you'll reduce that person to the lie. So if someone says to you, why did they lie to you? Well, because they're a liar. That's why they lied. They're a liar. But do you ever lie? Well, yeah. Why do you lie? Well, it's complicated. You know, there's context for why I lie. There's nuance. You know, I'm three-dimensional. I have a backstory. But that person, they're a liar. Always have been, always will be. It's what happens when you don't forgive someone. Forgiveness is understanding the person as being like you. It's to be deliberate about identifying with that person and not separating yourself from them. That's the amazing thing about the gospel. I mean, what we're gonna do, what's gonna be demonstrated here is, that, is, is this identification that we have with Christ. That on the cross, Jesus Christ identified with us. That he, he who knew no sin became our sin. He identified with our sin. And because he identified with our sin, he bore the punishment for our sin. And it was buried, just like the, the video earlier. We, it was buried, which means there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We identify with the burial, burial of Jesus in hope of a resurrection. So coming out of the water, this new life in him, we share, we, we share in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We identify, Jesus identifies with us. And from that, from that, that place of, of resource and, and power, we, we identify with those who have injured us. Here's a quote worth writing down. Unforgiveness is the failure to include my offender in the community of humans and a failure to include myself in the community of sinners. You can only stay mad at someone if you feel superior to them, if you feel you're better than them. These attitudes of pattern of thinking happen over time and you've trained your, your mind to hate this person. You've trained yourself to despise people who hurt you. And dropping that card in the box last week was the beginning of that change, but it's not the end. The decision to forgive is not a process. It is a moment. But to form new attitudes about someone is a process. 
So we're going to eliminate the damaging emotions. Healing attitudes are now renewed in us. Finally, and I hope you want this one, Christ's example is elevated in our life. Christ is made much of. See, are we are witnesses of, of who Jesus is and that isn't, it's not just doing evangelism, apologetics, sharing our faith, all those things are good. But the thrust of the scriptures is about how you are a witness. You are an exhibit. You are trophies of the grace of God. Displays. So First Peter, when it says that, be prepared to have a defense for the hope that is in you. In other words, people are going to come to you and like, why do you, how did you do that? Your defense is, well, because I'm a pretty great person. <laughs> Your defense is, oh, Jesus, you want to hear about him? Let me tell you what he did for me. I had an unpayable debt. You're not the only one who's been through what you've been through, but doesn't Christ's power in your life take you to a higher plane? Shouldn't your forgiveness of others reflect that power as we transfer? Here's, impo here's an important phrase. As we transfer the forgiveness we have received to others. You're not giving something from yourself. You're taking something that Christ has given you and you're giving it to other people. We don't believe in transactional forgiveness that forget, you know, we forgive people when we feel the other person has paid their dues. Not ready to forgive yet. Not seen enough graveling. That's not forgiveness, that's vengeance. We don't do therapeutic forgiveness. Thank you, boomers. That puts, it's been a while since I've said something about them. Um, <laughs> that puts up a wall emotionally to a person. To put kind of a therapeutic forgiveness. You know, if somebody hurts you, you, you know, you, that the, the emotions you feel for them is taking up space in your life and it's causing you problems. So for your sake, let it go and just keep your boundaries. Emotionally. Let's elevate the example of Christ. Let's forgive the way he forgives. Just as total, just as immediate, just as complete. What if someone in your life, more than you realize maybe, is watching you? And what if they're making a decision about Jesus based upon the way his forgiveness shows up in your life? Maybe you, maybe you have a sister or a friend or a brother or a coworker who's just waiting to see if you have something different, if you have found in Christ a capacity to forgive that is supernatural. And it's not just something you do at that church, but it affects your Monday through Friday. You and I are different because of the gospel. You and I are altered because of the gospel. And because of that, we put on display both individually and collectively a new way of being human. 
And if you're going to live for that, I remember when I first saw this picture in, in Acts, you know, sometimes you hear about that, you know, we, this, this community in Acts, you loved each other and they had all things in common. They were super generous. They were super connected and they were giving away their possessions, loving the poor, impacting cities. It was love at first sight for me. So I'm doing what I do. I didn't realize how much I would have to forgive others to live that vision. Or right, here's one. I didn't, how, I didn't realize how much I would need the forgiveness of others to live that one. I didn't factor that in to my enthusiasm. But if we're going to make it for the long haul, let me just say I have more passion for this community for the long haul than I've ever had. But if that's going to be true for me, if that's going to be true for you, you're going to have to be expert forgivers. There is no enduring relationship without forgiveness. It's going to require you several minor and a few major forgivenesses. It's... I'm 0 for 3. Um, And it will cost you. I don't want to sugarcoat that. This will cost you. It'll cost you. It will cost you. Forgiveness is a form of voluntary, voluntary suffering that brings about a greater good. That's the message of the gospel. Christ suffered once for all for us. If there was no shedding of blood, there would be no forgiveness of sins. If there, were no, if there was no suffering, if you want to know what the cross is about, I mean, what's that bloody mess about? It's about the payment for your forgiveness. Voluntary suffering. It cost him and it'll cost you. And here's the cherry on the Sunday. Cherry on top. <laughs> Is when you forgive people, you'll, you'll, there'll be an identification with Christ and his love that is going to empower you and thrill you like nothing else. Paul said crazy things like this. He says, I rejoice in my suffering because of the, the knowledge of, I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm with Christ. I'm doing what he does. It's a form of voluntary suffering. It's how, it's a gospel. It's, it's God's love to us and it's our love to the world. Christ to us, us to the world. Could you stand with me? I'm going to read Romans 12 as the band comes up. This is going to be our marching orders. I want you to go ahead and close your eyes and let me just say it to you. You can let this sink in your heart. Here's our marching orders. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to what give Give, but to give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. 
To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil. Don't get sucked into unforgiveness. Don't be overcome, loved ones, but overcome evil with good, the good news of the gospel. Jesus, no way we could live like this without your help. So God, I just pray for the empowering presence of the spirit to fall upon everyone who wants this. Thank you that you gave forgiveness before we asked, before we were even aware of what we did. Just waiting for us. Your forgiveness was just waiting for us to step into and receive. And God, I pray, will you help us to elevate your example in our lives as we forgive others as you have forgiven us.